0: John. Hi, Merlin.
1: How's it going?
0: Oh, pretty good. We should oh, pick an accent
1: and stick to it.
0: Okay, let's just do this the whole
1: show. It's going to be Humpty Hump and Tim Gunn. <laughs> Make it work. That's the Murgatroyd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's good. Is a cool Cool cat now. Who is that? <laughs> Look, it's stupid. I'm
1: arrow like Cupid. I use the word that don't mean nothing
0: like looped did. <laughs> oh, God, it's hectic. It is hectic.
2: It's, isn't it
1: hectic? Is it me? It's,
0: no, it's not. I feel overwhelmed. Oh. You, are you, you're doing lots of things, right? Well, but it's just the hecticness more yeah. than anything. I mean, you know, I feel, yeah, I feel like I'm doing stuff, but I'm also just like, come on. Oof. I need to just not be doing something for a while.
1: I don't, I'm, I'm not saying, like, oh, I need a vacation, but like, uh, just like if, if, if I do just the stuff that I have to do for my quote unquote job, it's, it's more, there's more to it than one would realize,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. um, not, this is just I'm not asking for pity or something but like you know it takes time to you make the shows, you do the show art I don't I don't expect you to and it's a nice job I really like it that yeah. that all with that all stacks up end to end, and an annual account for brushing hair and getting to school and yep. finishing the poster and things like that but then you get stuff where you got to reschedule things and you get a holiday oh boy you know you know Dan Benjamin hates holidays is that right you never heard him talk about that no, I don't let him talk. No. That's probably good. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a good kind of hectic, I suppose.
0: Uh, he doesn't like holidays. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about holidays? You know, let's do, um, let's do a special holiday um, episode.
1: <laughs> um, you get you a Travis voice for that one. <laughs> I I uh, I feel like my feeling uh, there's some hol Okay, so first of all, my feelings about a given holiday are very very different. It's almost a form of synesthesia. Mm. Or, like, there's some people who can, like, smell colors, or, like, mm. when, they, when they hear a note, it makes them think of a word or something mm. like that. I taste tastes. Well, know how you have a shape of the ear, right? Right. You do taste tastes. That's the kind of, that's kind of uh, cis-aesthesia. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Oh, God.
0: Do over. This
1: show is over. <laughs> ah, check your privilege, taste boy. Um, oh, my coffee's still going. Oh,
0: uh, I'm sorry, sorry. You hear that bubbling. That's my coffee. Oh right! When you said I need to make coffee, I pictured you using a coffee pot, but I'm sure you're using some sort of uh, like uh, like moonshine still. Yes,
1: right? yeah, I do use a. Um, I have a. Very, I'm like a monster. I'm, I'm an animal. I just have a, a little, uh, a little coffee filter, plastic coffee filter holder. Right, right. It's what it's what some people call pour over. I would call it making right. coffee. Yeah. I mean, it's also strange. Yes, uh, it is. So you uh, were saying... Oh, shape of the year.
0: Yeah. And the people,
1: people the- who listen to the program have drawn this. Uh, it's it's a difficult thought technology to turn into an artifact, but but I have had a similar feeling that a year has a shape to it. Yeah. And I think that is it's somewhat uh, related to how I feel about holidays, where I have mostly dread about holidays, but sometimes I'm excited about it. I end up liking Christmas a little bit toward the end. But I think Dan's beef is disrupts his work schedule. Oh. But, but, right. no, which is kind of my beef a little bit too. But, yeah, you know, but it's fun. I mean, like, when you got a kid my age, little trips are fun. Like, we'll go somewhere for a couple of days. It's not like a vacation, but you go visit somebody for a couple of days. And that's actually usually pretty fun. She has a capability for joy and she's not totally terrible yet. So <laughs> it's, it's a nice, I wanna really like, you know, like some people like to sniff a baby's head. Like, I just wanna really soak in this period because she's gonna hate us so soon.
0: Well, who knows? Every child is different. That's what they say. That's what they say. Now, whenever whenever I meet somebody that has a teenager, I'm always like, "So, is it pretty bad? Like, give me the lowdown." Right. And it's surprising the number of people that say, "You know what? It's not. They're, you know, they're great." And I'm like, "Come on, come on! Don't be, you know, don't be a hero."
1: Yeah, don't be a fool with your life. It feels feels like it's got to be a very challenging letdown. Yeah. Also, some kids are terrible. That's the other thing. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, I haven't been around your daughter lately, but in both Mm -hmm. of our cases, what? At worst, they're precocious a little bit. Precocious, precocious is right. There's no fires being set. It's not like we have a boy. You've been around boys much? uh,
0: Yeah, because I go to school. You
1: must see it at school.
0: I go to her school and I interact with the kids there. Yeah. So I see them. I see them be boys. There's a little boy that um, that that Marlo kind of counts as one of... She, she doesn't count him as one of the girls, but she counts him as one of the people who isn't a monster. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what's funny is that the first time I ever saw this kid, I was like, oh, I like him. What's his story? You know, like, I, I, I really do engage with him. The rest of the little boys are, yeah, they're awful. They'll but... just
1: the, the, a child will find a stick and hit a building with it until they're stopped. <laughs> pop, 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 pop. They just hit hit the building and yeah. and or or it could just be they they find uh, something sharp and just throw it in the air for forty five minutes. Yeah, and then they make that kind of a game and they tear one another's clothes and. uh i don't know i i've come around a little bit on the idea of boys but in like in the preschool and into like the beginning of elementary school the the girls were so interested so much more interested in like social things if they're interested in anything it was like you know people interact and the little boys were just setting things on fire and turning desks over
0: yeah it's true although now in first grade uh her stories about her little girlfriends are all about every day the alliances change oh every day someone, yes, is gossip. The, someone is now like won't play with her and, and is trying to exclude her from games and that. then the next the next day it's like oh no we're friends now and it's this other girl that's trying to trying to keep me out and and uh <clears throat> and i would listen to her stories and say like let me try and put myself in this situation. And, you know, because I always I know that the I know there's some narration bias, right? Mm-hmm. Always when you're listening to somebody talk, you kind of have to try and figure where, you know, some people have very little bias towards themselves and their own narrative. And well, other also people...
1: the communication skills are weird. It's right. sometimes hard to know what actually happened and what didn't happen, what you
0: imagine happened, what you heard happened. It's like it was like reading a William Faulkner novel. And particularly, like as as we say, like she's precocious. So I'm trying to picture a situation where she uh, would be excluded that that way. And then I and I know the people she's talking about. I know the other kids. So I'm like, hmm, okay, I can see that from this person. That just seems like they have a devilish grin about things, and they're but that you know. But these other kids seem so incapable of that. But then when I when I get when I really get down in the dirt with them, yeah, it's a constant process of like, okay, I'm the daughter and you're the dog, and um there's no there's no mom in this story. So I guess you can't play. And it's like, right? Why <laughs> well, is there no mom? The
1: mom died. Does it need to be this story? Yeah. No, but that's but you're also getting that's something that like one of the painful early things. I mean, obviously there are things like there's occasional hitting or whatever and stuff like that. But the one that's a painful slow motion ride is you start watching kids discover the power of exclusion and otherness and not to get all like you know namby pamby but like that's kind of how I am but like you see it pretty early on where like the most natural formation you get is a dyad you get like oh you find somebody that you can hang out with and like you get along and like she has one friend at school like they both like Netflix that's 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 why they're friends and uh, that's the kind of thing that happens and then that can maybe turn into a triad well you got three people who are into a thing and they're kind of friends but that now you've introduced this weird balance and now you get an out group and now you get somebody who's stinky today or whatever and somebody Mm who I like
0: that's hard that's hard to watch Well, and I think I think my my experience as a kid is that precociousness is hard for other kids to incorporate and there are there were always kids in my school who were kind of friends with everybody, and it's because their personality uh, like code didn't have trouble kind of fitting in and it wasn't that they it wasn't that they were conformist it was that they were Mm good-natured they didn't talk too much they didn't but they didn't talk too little they were physically capable enough that they could play every game and uh they didn't have like they didn't have strong opinions or a strong need to be right or a strong like not, like not ego assertive yeah, not a sense of uh, uh, like a like an inviolate sense of justice. They were they were just kind of easy to to incorporate. And then there were kids, and I was one who had too much st- something going on. And sometimes I was at the center of a game, but a lot of times it was like I just priced myself out of. Interactions with some kids because I couldn't uh I couldn't tone it down. I know. I think
1: I I, I think I was I was the same way. I mean I would I would I I I knew how to be funny, but I don't think I have particularly good social skills. I don't think in the sense that I don't like my daughter has friends, even more she has acquaintances, who Mm -hmm. are like like who is this child? Especially some of these little girls who are like very calm and they listen. Mm-hmm. And they have converse, not not listen as in like yes sir, but listen as in hmm. You make internet radio. Why do you need an office for that? And I'm like, oh, that's a really <laughs> good question. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that on a Sunday? <laughs> oh, well, it's that's a really, that's actually a really good question. And they just look at you and they just turn their head and furrow their brow a little bit, like yeah. they they actually want to know why I need an office to make a radio show, and I, I don't really have a good answer for them. But in that case, you know what I start to see if you ever do this. Do you do you ever God, I hate this in myself? Do you ever find yourself lobbying for friendships with
0: your kid for for my own friendships or for I'll I'll
1: pick my kid up from aftercare where there's a lot of cool kids and it's kids who aren't in her class, but you know, are in her grade or maybe a grade younger and okay, you know, whoever I'll go like, oh, you know, wow. Lila seems really cool. Like what's her oh, deal? Yeah. What's her deal? <laughs> and, and she'll be like, Oh, you know, she's mostly she's mostly nice. I don't talk to her very much. I'm like, Wow, she, she seems really cool. She knows a lot mostly about nice. she knows a lot about Wolverine. If you talk to her, she's really she's really <laughs> oh, mostly nice. <laughs> Well, we my daughter in her class now, her class, I'm pretty sure her teacher's a socialist. It's super interesting. The way she runs the class is very interesting. And one of the th- one of the things they do is they rearrange the tables, like, somewhat randomly, like once a month. So you're sitting with different people frequently, and she deliberately tries to mix it up. So you've she, got some- she doesn't arrange them for, for each according to their need and... And for, well there's the brown table, you know, yeah. you can guess who sits there. No, but uh, the, like you know, she's like my daughter now identifies as she's at the nice girls' table and they have an alliance with the funny boys table over here. Sure, you'll, alliances you'll do that. like that. But have you ever done that? I find myself lobbying and then I'll keep coming back and I'll go, Man, that Lila is a sharp kid. Did you see her do that round off? That was pretty great. You should you, you know you ever hang out? You want to do a play date with Lila?
0: <laughs> Nino. Yeah. Is Nino is uh is a small girl.
2: Oh, that's, a, that's a sweet name.
0: I like that. Nino. It's a beautiful name. And I adore her. She's got so much personality and she is so, um, like there was a, there was a girl at her, at, at uh, my daughter's old school who I also adored, but who was visibly, uh, a, um, she was visibly trying to undermine, other kids and social situations she would pit kids against each other oh, God. at four years old she would go into situations and just be like i'm friends with you and not with you and then she would go to the other person and say i'm friends with you and not with you mine, not has, with this mine, other has, one. mine
1: has a friend friend like that she's let's say like she's playing an ongoing game of diplomacy behind everybody's back
0: it was crazy and i'm you know i'm a grown-up and just by virtue of the fact that i'm uh, that i'm tall uh I can hear (laughs) the distance between that group and this group was only 15 feet and I just stood in the middle and could hear her on both sides. And I'd be like, young lady. Hmm. And she would kind of look up at me with this knowing look of like, so I was a little terrified of her. Now she's grown, she's grown up and has become like a, like a, a, a gentle child. I don't know what, she went through that's but, the
1: other weird thing they change and one year you get one kid who's the crazy kid who always gets sent to the office
0: and the next year they're like oh she's in theater now she's doing really great yeah she's great but Nino is a, a constant bugbear for my daughter and and it's always a situation where she's mm. doing something she's she's doing something and uh, she's trying to you know boss uh, or she's trying to this or that or this or that. And yeah. I'm always saying like, but she seems so nice. I know. And I get all this pushback. And I know she's not nice. Maybe, I Nino, know that... maybe
1: Nino needs a friend, honey. Maybe you should well, hang out with her.
0: So the thing I know about my kid is that she is, she has a very, very big, she takes up a lot of space, right? And she <laughs> doesn't... um She needs a little bit of coaching to incorporate other people's narratives into her very, very large and well-developed narrative about whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think Nino just doesn't take it. I think Nino just doesn't roll over. Okay. And pushes back. Yeah. Because Nino is socially successful. I watch her in the school and people love her and she – and I think she – and I think they're just at loggerheads – about who like just simple, really simple shit. Who's deciding what the story is. Right. And so I'm always trying to make this treaty. And and the thing about Nino is she likes me. So um, you know, so she runs up to me and says, Hi, and we have our little interaction. And it's not like uh, you know, like I don't watch my kids sit and fume about it. She doesn't care. But she doesn't want to invite her to birthday parties. Like it's very complicated.
1: That's so interesting. We get the same thing here, where like, and then I, I, I idiotically try and drill down a little bit, and like, now I sound like some kind of social worker because I'm always <laughs> like, oh, did um, did something, <laughs> did something happen? Did they, did, did somebody like hurt you? Yeah. And she's like, no, no. And it's like you know, I don't know what kind of monster I'm going to create with these kinds of like these sessions
0: that I do. <laughs> Can you point to the doll? Yeah, show me where Nino excluded your narrative. Show me where she <laughs> wouldn't let you be the puppy. This
1: is, but the it's yeah, you, you, Sometimes you can't be the puppy. But you know, I think about when I was a little kid, and we mainly played media, like like I've told you before, we played SWAT. We played Tora, 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 the three-hour Japanese uh, Pearl Harbor movie. Um, and we would we play these things, and everybody had these certain things that they liked to do. Sort of like you wanted to be the English guy with the uh, briefcase full of bombs, right? Everybody's got this role that they want to play. And it seems like a big part of that play becomes negotiation about, I guess this is obvious, but a lot of it becomes negotiation about what it is that we're playing right now. What the, what the frame and the rules and the
0: tone of what we're doing is. I think we've talked about this before, but my mom had uh, described that realization she had in the 1980s when she was on – when she started to be on the board. And she would go to these board meetings. For school or for pipeline? For the pipeline. Okay. And, you know, the way the pipeline hierarchy was was that the president and the vice presidents came from the oil companies – so they were never, the president of Alyeska Pipeline was never promoted from within. It was always kind of a plum job that you got as you were working your way up in British Petroleum or Arco or, um, you know, one of the owner companies. You would go and spend two years in Alaska being the president of the, of the pipeline, and then you would have done your time, and then you would go to Scotland or something, and eventually you'd work your way, so forth. But up to the level of vice president was all promoted within Alaska. Mm-hmm. And as my mom was climbing up that ladder and started to be in these rooms, she realized about herself, and I've, I've, I'm sure you and I have talked about it, uh, that she, she, at the very beginning of a meeting, would just kind of assert that she was going to run this meeting. And she would do that until she was either running the meeting or someone else had had thwarted her attempt to run the meeting. Mm-hmm. At which point she would sit back in her chair and just try and shoot the guy that was running the meeting down. Uh, and not, not in a way that was, you know, that, that she saw her role as either being running hmm. the meeting or being the gadfly. I was just going to w- say
1: gadfly, yeah.
0: Yeah, the one that was like, uh, hmm, that's interesting. Well, ha- w- are you sure about that? Like, not um, not, to, not to hurt that person, but just that that was what she saw. Uh, that was what she saw there was a need for, right? right? Either that, either this room She's not just there
1: to-, to take up space. Like, she's there to be an active participant in driving this thing forward in a rational way.
0: Right, but never saw herself as a as a member of the of the the team of six people that were going to take the information in and then vote on it at the end. It was always she needed to be she needed to have this role and it was either to command or to challenge. Hmm. That's super interesting. Yeah, and I feel like that is you know, that's something baked into people too. And and at least so far, I don't see it in my kid. She, if, if someone says, you're not in charge of this game, you're the dog. She's happy to be the dog, but she's going to really play that dog role up in terms of how important the dog is to the family dynamic. Right. It's, I see if, if she is, if it's a game where there's a mom and a baby and a dog and she's the baby, then the baby's going to be a loud baby, <laughs> and if, if if she's the dog, then it's going to be they're going to have a a real handful of a dog on their hand. You know what I mean? Like yes. she's it's never going to be a narrative where she's the like patient mom going, "Oh, come now, now hush, hush, baby." She's like, kind of like she's like Jim Belushi. She's she's got a certain <laughs> way she's going to play this. She's chewing up the scenery. Yeah, sure. That's right, um, but but it is it it, it has uh, affected my my understanding of being human for sure watching these little humans i oh, mean in, in a way that you couldn't have you couldn't have known right you couldn't have, yeah. you couldn't have figured it out by watching yourself grow up it really takes watching someone else grow up to like contextualize a lot and it doesn't make my own childhood make any more sense to me but i do but it resonates in my adulthood somehow
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know like well, we we've spent a lot of time going over our childhoods and i kind of came to a you know kind of long time ago came to an understanding of what happened to me growing up um but I just see all of my adult dynamics played out on this, uh, within these playground dynamics, and it's like, oh yeah, it really is. Like people are people, so well,
2: why yeah, should and,
1: it be why should it be that you yeah. uh, the, the the other thing with this is um, that I mean I think we we've all had that experience. What you're describing, we've all had that experience of replaying something in our heads and going, oh maybe that was different than I expected. But like you're you're also fighting this problem of okay well what if you replayed that in your head when you were 19 and you thought you had it figured out like have you replayed that again since then because who knows what kind of filter you had on at that point I know, this is not particularly insightful but like you know it is it is very strange for me to like as much as I fight it and I'm a totally middle aged man I still find my own prejudices about people and their behavior. Things that I feel like are very much rooted in how I felt like I was treated as a kid played out. Where I will go like, not to my daughter, but I'll maybe even say to my wife, like, oh, God, what is her deal? She seems like, she says, that girl seems like kind of a dick. She seems real conniving. and well, she wants to exclude people and whatnot. And then I'll uh, actually spend some time with the kid and you know what? They're a normal nine-year-old kid. And I'm like, where did you come up with that? Like, wh- why did your mind have to go to some place where you, like, you assume you know, that your, your bad filtering from the past has to be what's happening right now?
0: Well, except that there are lots of, the, you know, there are a lot of people that seem like they're really nice, and then it turns out they're not. A lot of people that oh. sort of seem like they're not, and it turns out they are. Bad week. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <coughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Casper. You can learn more about Casper right now by visiting casper.com slash Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. At Casper, mattresses are perfectly designed for humans and engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Casper brand mattresses combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. And Casper's breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. Listen, you spend one-third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. I'm here to tell you, each and every one of the human members of my own household all sleep on a Casper mattress. We all love it. Our cat still sleeps on a filthy cushion near a heating vent, because frankly, she's an unlovable Dickensian grotesquerie, and none of us like her very much. Casper mattresses are delivered right to your door in a small, uh, how-did-they-do-that-size box. They even offer free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. Thing is, you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They offer no hassle returns if you're not completely satisfied. So start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper, and you get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com supertrain and using the promo code supertrain at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to Casper for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows.
0: the uh, <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but, uh, yeah, I had a, I had an interesting experience yesterday, uh, that I wanted to tell you about. I would love to hear it.
1: I, people, uh, no, people assume that we, we write a whole script for this or something, but we, mm-hmm. a lot of what we end up doing for the program, my internet radio show I do at my office, it is largely improvised.
0: Yeah. Why of, do you have an office to do an internet radio well, show? That's what I put all this shit. My family doesn't want in the house. Oh, that's Nobody true. wants my that's garbage. True. Oh, I built a. I daddy, built a basement. daddy, bring
1: home more boxes of comics. No, it's not a thing. <laughs> what about what about these statues of Wilberforce? What what, is, what about your what about your dead-eyed uh, superhero girl? What about all these <laughs> bottles of kombucha from March? Like, what's going to happen with that? Bottles
0: of kombucha, kombucha from, from March. March.
1: Mm, I love Tropicalia.
0: I uh, I got a. So you know, sometimes one of the things that I do mm. as he... Probably known now and and for always is that I um I get asked to moderate things. Oh yeah, you're a go-to MC. Yeah, and there's and that's the thing. Like when I was in high school, I looked around the school at the jobs that one could do at a school, <laughs> the and ver- I said, the various roles that one could inhabit. Right, that's right. As a freshman, I looked at my high school, which you know, the first day of freshman year, my high school seemed like. A big, urban, high school from not, uh, from the late seventies, because it was the early eighties, and Anchorage was five years behind. So all those, all the movies you've ever seen about a, a an American high school in nineteen seventy-seven, that's exactly what it felt like when I walked into freshman year. Were you
1: were you and, aware at the time that, that y'all were behind?
0: I mean, how, how how attuned
1: were you to like, oh, this isn't the way people dress on Dukes of Hazard or whatever?
0: Not, not really. Not it's a bad no. example, but yeah. And, and, and people, I mean, the world moved, the world was starting to move pretty fast. Um, but like disco and punk rock were both still pretty, uh, present culturally new things in 1981 and two in in Anchorage. And I know that they still were reverberating other places, but it hadn't, there wasn't that feeling of that, that there was in the States that it was, um, that things were over or ever over. And it wasn't until MTV arrived, which was in 82, I guess. Was that right? August of 81, but most people didn't get it for a while. Yeah. We didn't get it until 82. That's when I got it. Yeah um where we suddenly had access to things happening that fast
1: uh you had you had like up to the minute new york taste on yeah. your screen right right uh, i mean like the the, the it's 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 uh, obviously this is something that was way overcovered at a certain point but it's easy to forget now how much like how, how likely were you to be exposed to the motels adam and the ants and uh and uh, captain sensible uh in alaska in the absence of mtv
0: zero. Yeah. <clears throat> no no chance of it at all. And um
1: I feel like pretty much the same for Florida. I wouldn't even know where to look to find maybe not the motels, but to find like sort of odd stuff. I didn't have the budget or the purview to find that stuff and then suddenly, especially in the morning when they show lots of weird videos, you'd see the weirdest stuff. Yeah,
0: and it was each each new thing that came on, you were like, "Okay, is this what we're doing now?" Like That's what wow. Devo that's what Devo looks like? <laughs> yeah. Hello. Uh, <laughs> but but my first day of freshman year, like, at that time, all the football players, uh, the fashion was that they wore painter's caps. Did this—was this a thing that happened nationally?
1: Painter's caps— with, as I think I've told you, the misspelled mascot of our team on the back in Cooper Black. Technically green, but Cooper Black typeface. Yeah, uh, the Boussineers, the the, uh, the Gulf High Boussineers. We had Painter's Caps in, I want to say, 80, 82, 83 as a oh. uh, fundraiser.
0: So, yeah, that was a thing, I guess. And and it was a thing that felt, I mean, they felt very old. They felt very adult. They were very large, much larger, uh, the, the seniors, of mm-hmm. course, than the freshmen. Improbably and... larger. And probably larger, our school had 2,700 kids Oof. and spread. Oh, and it was a one story 1962 high school that spread over what felt like 40 acres. Um, and walking in the front door, I mean, I'd been I'd been forewarned by kids. Like if you walk across the Thunderbird that is inlaid into the hallway um, if you walk across it, and a senior catches you, they will make you scrub it with a toothbrush. <sighs> and I and every incoming freshman was like mortified, terrified. Don't walk across the the mosaic of the T-bird, mm. our noble mascot, the Thunderbird, Thunderbird, the the appropriated Native American, and not not uh, not really even from our state or the local cultures but appropriated from that used to seem so normal the distant native american culture utah jazz um, but uh but but at the time it seemed plausible that that schools were far enough out of the of the disciplinary reach of grownups that senior classmen could, could be that much in control of the school and of the space that you would be getting swirlies or scrubbing the, scrubbing the floor with a toothbrush and the adults would be standing in the background with their arms crossed, nodding approvingly. Yeah. Um, but my goodness, what? I have no idea what I was talking about. Oh, you
1: were talking about what, what it's like to be. It's okay. No, no, no. This is a safe um, space. It's a, it's what it was like to be in Alaska at a time when you were running. Feel like you're the, oh, the whole place is running a little bit behind.
0: Uh huh. <clears throat> pa- painter, painter's caps. Yeah, painter's caps. Got the Thunderbird. But I started talking about it because I yeah. had a because I had another idea. Oh, Merlin! This never happens to me. Am I getting? Am I like going? Old,
1: you, so you can't tell yet, you don't know that's the problem. Oh,
0: no, yeah, no, I'm
1: just starting to like have it and realize it.
0: You, you know, yeah, you, you know, that I like I, uh, I always make it back, yeah, I make a digression, I go out into the woods, I wander around, but I always come back.
1: No, you do, but, you, you land it, you really land it. But, but what happened here? Should we do some exercises? <sighs>
0: I'll, do, I'll do with you, I'll do with you. <coughs> uh, <laughs> I'll Did do, I just have a stroke? Is that what it feels do you like? Smell it feels toast? like it feels like nothing. It feels no. like you're just talking, and then you just don't remember. You might have had an episode. What what kind of episode? You'd have to get an EKG. I no, think. I, I mean, oh. it's not like anything blurry. No,
1: listen, we're gonna we're gonna get this. We're gonna get this. Let's right. take it. Let's All take right. a minute and pause, and let's hear okay. it from our sponsor. <coughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by HelloFresh. You can learn more about HelloFresh right now by visiting HelloFresh.com. This is a new sponsor, and we're very excited to have them because they make some great stuff. Here's how this works. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so uh, you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. So convenient. You choose your delivery day for whatever works best for you and your household. You can even pause your account if you're going to be out of town, and all the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits so you know which ingredients go with which recipe this is so cool they're actually color-coded so if you're a total idiot like me uh you don't end up making the wrong food that's no fun they help you colors so flexible they give you tons of selections and options HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef curated recipes that change weekly you can choose from three different plans you can go with the classic plan that is a variety of meat fish and seasonal produce the veggie plan you get vegetarian recipes with plant-based proteins grains and seasonal produce and you can go with the family plan which is quick and easy meals with all the yum-worthy flavor the whole family will love. And HelloFresh makes it so easy, so easy to cook delicious, balanced dinners for less than $10 a meal. What? No more time-consuming meal planning or grocery shopping. I happen to really dislike both. You're not going to have to plan dinner. You're not going to have to go spend money on takeout. And you're not going to be worrying about gathering ingredients week after week after week. They're going to help you with that. Here's some of the notable recipes that are out there. Hall of Fame, customer-voted favorite. You get the Juicy Lucy Burger with tomato, onion, jam, and arugula salad. Arugula. Premium selection for a dinner upgrade? How about this? Lobster ravioli and shrimp with tomatoes and tarragon cream sauce. yum delicious. Or you can try a kid-test recipe. Made specifically with, the, specifically with families in mind. That's going to be your easy-peasy ravioli gratin with spinach, thyme, and Parmesan breadcrumbs. Sign me up. Last week, my special lady friend made us amazing chili from HelloFresh. I had it the next day, and and it was like the best leftovers ever. It was was so good. And she wanted me to share with you that she thought this was a great service. She says it was a breeze to make, and that she was especially impressed with the way the ingredients were packaged and presented. I agree. Good job, honey. So here's what you do. You go, get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com, and you're going to want to use the very special promo code R-O-T-L-30. R-O-T-L-30. $30 $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. Our thanks to HelloFresh for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. All right. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Let's let's do an exercise here. We're going to take this nice and easy. All right? Okay. Okay. All right. So, the the triggering thought was, we were talking about children, we were talking about your mom. We started talking about... Uh, the situations where some people are able to socialize with others. You started talking about how when you started high school in the early 1980s, you felt like things were actually more like a, like a mid-70s. Things like punk rock, things like disco right. were still very current at the time. You can, yes. even, you can even look to things like the introduction of MTV to your area. In, uh, in 1982, you've got seniors wearing painter's caps. Yes, seniors were wearing painters' caps. Don't if you step on the T bird, they're going to make you take a toothbrush. Mm -hmm, I remember
0: all this and clean that. (laughs) It was a very good story. But I was, I was jumping off into it because something recently happened that I wanted to tell you about. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to show you about. Mm -hmm. And you said, um, uh, you said. Uh, that we didn't see each other all the time. That what was in the show was in the show. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. That
0: we that we lar- that we largely improvised the but, show. Yes, which I you know I thought was important uh, for for everyone to know because yeah. because you know they think we do work from a script. Yes, I lost. I obviously lost. Or at, my least, script at least a today. set of beats. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. Pretend that that segue over into high school in the 70s never happened until I can figure out how to tie it back in.
1: If you want, um, I need to edit in a couple ads this weekend. Would you like me to add some kind of a sound zinger right here that would allow us to to reboot the episode?
0: Uh, Like a, like a,
1: or like a, whoop, 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 whoop. How's it going, John? Hey. Hi, Merlin. How are you? Are we starting over from the start? No, no. Oh. See now, now we gotta I gotta add another noise now. <laughs> oh, all right.
0: Bow Boom Boom Boom.
1: I don't know if I can find that. Um No no no, it's fine. Yeah. Oh um, people are people are terrible and mm-hmm. it's uh sometimes hard to know when you're the terrible person. I'm, oh, I
0: assume that I'm always the terrible person.
1: Do you really? Because, I mean, like, the thing is, it's like, and this kind of gets to my point about the changing your filter. And feel free to jump back in at any point. But th- this is part of, part of my point with the filter is that I feel like I have probably sanded off, papered over, and buttered across many, many things in my past as because reasons. Do you know what I mean? Where, like, I thought everybody treated me this way because boodily boop boop boop. And I don't know. Sometimes I, I am reluctant to go too far back to look at that again because it's very painful.
0: Well, you know, my my uh, passage through time, personally, I have never, I've never felt any uh, any strong need to cast myself as the victim of 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 situations of the world or of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> like I de- I never felt victimized. By anything other than massive structures, right like <clears throat> nobody, i nobody i wasn't um because I was enough of a of a problem from a young age that there was never a time when I didn't understand and it hadn't been imparted to me by everybody that I was kind of a problem and not always a bad problem did, but did you, just, didn't you take up that mantle at a certain point um What it did was it liberated me from it liberated me in a certain sense because there were because uh, from a young age, it wasn't like John Roderick, you are a problem. It was always from everybody. Oh, John, you're such a problem.
2: Like it was nice.
0: Yeah, it was very it, it was always wrapped in a warm fuzzy that that the word problem I heard ring in my ears as the word "exceptional,"
1: and the because that, the world's
0: just not ready for you. Uh, the, but that word was used too. But 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 that's how I heard it, right? So I never, I I never felt like, oh, the reason this is because that, uh, mm-hmm. or w- whatever that was, whatever um, whatever system was operating. I I recognized that <clears throat> who I was. Not my behavior, but who I actually was, was troubling or was – just wasn't ever going to fit in. And I think I took then responsibility for a lot of stuff that wasn't mine, that I that I wasn't the the bad guy. But I just – I accepted it because I, I already had such – I had this big cardboard box full of all of the things that I was responsible for. Sure, why not throw something, you know, like, oh, you've got some – like pickled quail eggs in a jar? Sure, put them in my box. I'm already carrying a box out. Um, and I think later on, when I went back and looked at my childhood, there, I actually had to take some stuff out of the box and say, you know what, that wasn't my fault. or that I, I couldn't have been responsible for that because that wasn't a thing that a kid could be responsible for. That was a thing that adults should have been handling. And I think, I think when I'm angry at structures... What that usually means is that there was some adult who was operating according to a structure that they hadn't examined,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that adult was doing stuff that affected me or didn't protect me. But I don't blame them. I don't think well, sometimes it's that they're just doing fault. their
1: job. I mean, yeah. the, the 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 woman or more likely man who stood aside while somebody had to toothbrush the T-bird probably felt like not only were they doing their job, but they were doing a good job of their job.
0: They were doing it. I mean, the the uh, the vice principal was, that was... was this Kufel? No, this is long after Kufel. This okay. was, you know, in high school, at that point, whoever the vice principal was, he didn't, you don't know. You don't know who he didn't were. have a cricket bat. Uh, but...
1: No, but, a cricket and, bat. Had a, no, what did Kufel have? Kufel had, Kufla had a, a tennis racket with weights on it. Is that right? And a cricket bat. And a cricket bat, Okay.
0: He had both of those things. Huh. Seems weird. Like, if
1: people want to come, like, interview him in his office, it's strange that he would have so much striking sports gear.
0: Well it's sort of like the, the it's a little bit of a mixed metaphor, right? The Scientologists go across the bridge up the ladder All right Go like, yeah, uh, was working on his on his uh tennis stroke, but it also i guess translated to cricket, a sport that was not played in Alaska. <laughs> who knows where he even got a cricket bat it was it's I, I think of culturally if, sensitive if he turned it over, I bet it had the I bet it like had the initials of his his fraternity mm. But but by the time you get to high school, of course, you don't know the names of the vi- of the assistant principals anymore. They don't loom as large because in high school they can't. They're not hitting you with a cricket bat anymore. It's the partly because the seniors are so big. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't take a seventeen year old and whack them? It, you can get away with it when a kid is twelve. I mean not anymore obviously, but in Alaska in the early eighties. No, it was
1: it was it was real. I I remember being terrified when I arrived at my public school in Florida and there's just a whole you know I just remember reading the student guide because I was the kind of person who would do that. All the crazy rules about what kind of clothes you're allowed to wear and then this like fetishist description of the swatting, the spanking process and exactly like like the very specifics of what kind of device was going to be used to strike you and like how it was, go- it was, it was so weird. It was like, I, I wish I could find it today. Cause it, it really, it feels, well, it feels like porn. It doesn't even feel yeah. like something from another time. It just feels like somebody's idea of like, I, I wrote this this weekend. Can we put it in? I'm like, um, yeah. I don't know, Jim, man. Uh, you're pretty specific <laughs> about the kind
0: of plywood to be used when you hit these girls. <laughs> well, it's very important yeah. they understand the rules mm-hmm. and why they're bad. You just read the Marquis de Sade. I remember what I was, what I, how I got out there. Yay! How's it going, John? I, I was talking about, I was talking about uh, uh, being a master of ceremonies. Oh, and the, I had that in my notes even. Right, and the roles that you that you you go to a high school and you look around, and you you uh, you figure out what roles you're going to play, and there were all all these different roles, right? Valedictorian, captain of the football team, all this stuff, and the the and I knew that I was none of those things. I was never gonna be captain of the cheerleaders. Uh, I didn't want to be a photographer for the newspaper. There were there were people that just like photographer for a yearbook or a newspaper was all they wanted to be. Uh because the photographer likes is behind the camera. They don't really have to they're not in front of the camera. Also they're usually a lone wolf. Lone wolf. Right.
1: They're, yep. they're there, but they're in the background. They're working alone. Nobody really knows how to do what they're doing. It seems a little like magic. You could yep. be like, you could be like the the like coolest dork in school if you had a camera. Yeah, you get to be a rogue, rogue mm-hmm. warrior. You probably get a pass. I bet you get a special pass.
0: You get to go to huh? things early or late. Uh, back then, you certainly did. Nowadays, mm-hmm. who knows? Who mm-hmm. knows what kids are allowed to do now? It's they all have to go They got through. cameras on everything, they, they got cameras go on their backpacks. M- metal detectors just to get into school.
2: Mm. Uh,
0: but I recognized I didn't want to be king of the nerds. I didn't want to be uh, president of the school. I didn't want to be. I, what I wanted to be was master of ceremonies. I wanted to do the pep assemblies. I wanted to talk on the microphone. Uh, I wanted to do morning announcements in the school. I wanted to be considered. The Host of the School. And I like the, gre- the wa- greeter. <laughs> And that wasn't a job. you be a greeter like a Walmart. You'd just be at the door. <laughs> not, the, not the greeter, but like, you know, when you thought of... Looking wow, right. good, James. Uh, at, the, at the beginning of Red Dawn when the Russians arrive, you know, uh-huh. I wanted to be the one that walked out the front door and said, hello, oh, friends. the emissary, the anchorman. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that wasn't a job. I had to go into the principal's office day after day, week after week, and say, you know what you, re- you guys really need? You need somebody to handle all this That's stuff. It's like for. they say, don't dress for the job you have. Dress for the job that doesn't exist yet. That's right. right. And that was my job. And that has continued to be, there was a
1: long period. You're very good where, at it. You're like your mom taking over the meeting. You don't do it in like an assertive way, but you're very good at like making sure that everything runs well in a social situation. You're very good yeah. at that. I like to put
0: this person, you know, I like to make everybody feel comfortable. I like to. Introductions. You walk them over to the couch. <laughs> <laughs> <Lovely>. <laughs> uh, so, there was a long period of time there where I didn't have the i didn't have access to uh, to worlds outside of my own immediate world where I could be you know I love to just be that person at a party or in a situation where groups of people were merging, but I wasn't invited out into like the city to host events for people. Um, because I was uh, for a long time, a drug addict and an unknown, but, <laughs> but, but now, now I get asked <sighs> to do this all the time. Like it's a, it's a big part of, uh, well, two things, right? For a long time, it was part of volunteering for me. It was like how I gave back to the community. Cause a lot of the times what I was asked to do was host benefits, um, fundraisers, events for charities and you're talking it, you know, about like you're later this is like in more like is, your rock years yeah this is in the last 10 15 years right you know like hey will you come do this for the march of dimes or whatever and it was always um it was an automatic yes and then i started getting asked to do those things where it was not a charity it was like this is our our annual meeting or this is a we're having a we're having a big event and we're a for-profit company and I, and, and I it took me a while to realize like hmm, hmm so this isn't really a this isn't really a benefit is it this is more of a this is more of a job you would hire somebody to do mm-hmm. and then learn to learn how much to ask but i still and particularly around the holidays right i've i there've been i've been invited to do this 5 times in the last 2 weeks like hey will you do our thing and i'm and i'm I'm practicing a little bit of the like the uh, mid two thousands Merlin Mann where I'm like, "I'm going to say a number, and what I hope you hear in this number is, "No, I don't want to do your thing." Right. but if you say yes to this number, I'll do your thing mm-hmm. Anyway, I get a call from the University of Washington, and by call, I mean email mm-hmm. and the email said, "Hey, um will you come?" moderate or uh, will you be the uh, interlocutor, the interviewer for an event we're having? And I said, you know, sure. Yeah. What's the event? And they said, we're bringing Dan Harmon. Oh my God. To the University of Washington. And we would like you to be his. Oh my God. uh, To to interview him and, and um, host the event. Oh my God. And I was like, this is my chance. Mm Mm-hmm. This is it. I get to bring this whole story full circle. Mm -hmm. Dan Harmon and I are going to, I'm going to do my due diligence this time. I'm going to watch Rick and Morty. Mm
2: -hmm. I'm
0: going to read his Wikipedia entry. I'm going to like... Catch up on all those shows everybody's always demanding you watch. (laughs) Make a few note cards about the names of the shows he's done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so when he says, when I say, you know, I love your shows, and he says which ones and 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 I uh, and I'll have that moment of like uh then I'll be able to answer I'll say Rick and Morty and he'll go what do you like about it mm. but I'll be I'll be ready for him cuz I'll have written it down and I'll say Rick and Morty or whatever I don't yeah, know right, right. I, I haven't done that work yet but I was like No but you yes. you the thing the point is
1: the point is not what you will say but that you will know what to say
0: Mm -hmm. I will not be caught with my drawers down. He's going to be sitting there
1: with his harmon in his hand because you are now a man who knows
0: all the great shows. That's right. That's exactly it. And I was super thrilled to have this opportunity. And so I said yes. And I said, you know, like, um, basically, like, what's the drill? And I got this email back that said, well, we're working on a list of questions that we're going to run by his people, and then we'll send them to you so that you can go through and and make sure that, you know, like add any edits you want to add. And this isn't ever what, this isn't normal, right? That is absolutely new to me. That's something you
1: would do with somebody who's on the volunteer committee, Or, you know what I mean, like somebody who's got somebody who's like on the on the um, student board for visiting speakers would get to go up and ask pre-asked questions. You would not have an editorial guest moderator come in and read somebody else's questions, I don't think. No, no. I agree that that seems odd. So
0: I was like, hmm, list of questions. Okay, and I'm just thinking that it's got to be. You know, that I'm going to, because sometimes, right, and you have this experience too. Sometimes you do events for people who don't do events.
1: They, 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 don't, they don't do events, and it's, I don't want to sound unkind, but it, it, it's not quite that they haven't thought it through, but on some level, it's that they haven't really thought it through. Like, right. okay, now, in your head, walk through how all this happens, how we get on stage, what happens, how everybody's introduced. We talk for this amount of time, and then what's going to happen. And that's even before setting aside all of the, like, behind-the-scenes stuff that, like, if you haven't really thought about what order this stuff goes in and what people are used to. You're going to this is going to go slower than you think and it's going to be more difficult than you think because you're asking
0: people to like reframe what kind of event this is. There are those there are those situations. And then I encounter a lot of them where there is someone running the event who's used to running a big operation because it's because it's a big it's a big event for a big operation. And so they they put somebody whose normal job is manager of some department and they say, you know, you do the event And they're excited about it because it's their Christmas event or something. And they're like, great. And then I'll get a thing in the mail, which is their script. Mm. They're like, you're the host. And so at 1127, we're going to ring the bell. And at 1128, you're going to walk on stage. And then here's your script. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the event. My name is John Roderick. And I am here. And, and And every word is written. And I'm like, this is fantastic. Thank you for sending this over. I'll definitely work from this outline, uh-huh. um, and ninety-nine percent of the time, everybody's fine with that. Because do they, they usually rec- in cases like that? Do they usually have rehearsal schedule, a yes. full rehearsal. Yes, they do. Oh, dear. They do, and <laughs> and in those rehearsals, I'm perfectly happy to like do the blocking and read from their script. But you know, I'm not going to get up and read a script at a at a thing. Anyway, so I. So I think that this list of questions is going to be sort of perfunctory and I'm going to peruse it and it's like, you know, tell us about all the shows. And then I'm going to, I'm going to sit up there and be like, Dan, here's my next question. What about the shows? Mm. They're pretty good. People like them. Am I right? Mm -hmm. And I open this list of questions and it is phenomenal. Um, uh, do, you have, do, I I get, it, do you have it in front of you? Uh, so I do. Uh, <laughs> there there are 15 questions. And they are so, like, specific. That, you, got, you got
1: a nice soft one to open them up? Uh, uh, the, the first
0: one, in an Adult Swim short clip, you talk about the roles of creator and createe, And specifically, Rick... As creator on Rick and Morty, can you tell us more about the theme of creation on the show? And as an artist who creates yourself, is there a certain level of responsibility that comes with creating? Mm -hmm. How do you consolidate that, especially given the context of Rick and Morty as a show acknowledged for exploring socially relevant topics?
1: No one has ever read that out (laughs) loud until this moment. That's the softball. That's the softball. Opener. Okay, I got a lot of notes,
0: and I feel like, and and I feel like they were they wanted me then to go through this and put (laughs) reminders
1: below that to nod politely while he's answering that excellent question.
0: No, but like you know, put it in your own words, and and my reaction was I have none of my own words. Like, there's no, I have no, I could not ask a follow up to this, nor would I know what I was saying as I was saying it. I would not know if he was giving a good answer or a bad one. That's a really, really
1: bad. That's not a good question. It's phrased poorly. And I would never open with it. That's an if there's time at the end that would basically say, ask him how he feels about the creative process in terms of how he presents his characters or something like that. But that's such a weird question to open with. Yeah. I would not be surprised knowing the very little I know about him. I You know, let me put it this way. You open with that question, you're not going to save yourself from the All the Great Shows situation. That is not an opening that is going to get you where you want to be with that situation.
0: No, like uh, question question number eight. Mm -hmm. Here's how it's phrased. Okay. Dude, ellipses, why Szechuan sauce? Does that whole craze excite or annoy you? Have you had it recently? How? What did you learn from your experience being fired as community's showrunner after the third season? I guess that's something that I, I would understand why people were asking. Uh, let's see. Oh uh, my just, god! It just goes on and on. And so what? What? So what, what? happened was I sat and I studied this this list of fifteen questions, and and I felt like like the like all of a sudden Dan Harmon was again receding into the fog and i was like dan and i was running slow motion dan no no come back and he just was be- you know and he could he was looking at me sort of cheshire cat mm-hmm. and all i could see then was his face smiling kind of in the uh, through the because
2: the dan Harmon of- can
1: tell you have as we say in the, sometimes in the tech world you flip the bozo bit like, hmm. you, you well, in the sense that, you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes you meet somebody and you go, like, all it takes is them saying one particular thing. Could be jury duty, could be waiting for the train, but somebody says something real stupid and you go, well, I don't have to pay a super lot of attention to that person. <laughs> they just flipped the bozo bit. Flipped the bozo bit. And Dan and... Harmon is not going to hear that question, even if you read that very well, he's not going to hear that and then think, this is going to be a great interview. Well, right.
0: Or... You know, and he's going to look. And he's at He's going to think it's you. He's thinking it's your fault. You came up with that terrible question. He's either going to think that, or he's going to recognize, looking at my face, that I'm basically Zoltan. And <laughs> <laughs> putting your hands on the cards. And I'm just like, mm, 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 <laughs> my little jaw is moving, and I'm like, how does Rick and Morty? Like, I will have what,
2: what blank What was the beginning? Eyes. What
1: was? Read, read me again. What was? Wasn't there a beginning
0: dependent clause? The let's see. It opened with. In an Adult Swim <laughs> short clip, and okay, so I don't know. I know what Adult Swim is, but I do not know what an Adult Swim short clip is. <clears throat> in an Adult it, Swim short clip. In an Adult Swim short clip, mm-hmm. which might be like, uh, it might be a way of preparing beef, <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> uh, you talk about the roles of creator and createe.
1: He talked about it. So it's like a documentary, like like talking head interview where he talked on Adult about. Swim. It. So they're asking him about another interview that he did that was on the Cartoon Network. Right. And they wanted to follow up on that based on
0: something, something Rick and Morty. I've watched Adult Swim quite a bit, but I do not remember the short clip as a thing. I guess I haven't watched it recently, and it must be that they get creators and createes to get up and do little mini interviews. But in the context of this, I do not know what they mean by createe. The like one, he's the a,
1: one who is created. By Is that what that, is that what you take that to mean a creator I, creates
0: things and a createe yes. is one who is created? One who is created. So how is Dan Harmon created? By either Adult Swim or his show. But then, but then talk about the roles of creator and createe, and specifically Rick as creator on Rick and Morty. Okay. Now, is Rick a cartoon character, or is he a person? Uh, he, he's a person who's a cartoon character on the Rick and Morty show. But he is a real person named Rick in the world? I
1: don't think so. It started out apparently as kind of a riff on Back to the Future.
0: He's kind of the Doc Brown character, but it's gone a very far way away from that since the pilot. So, but it's not that Rick is like Rick and Dan went to college together and started this not show. Not that I'm
1: aware of.
0: So, I think he's strictly... a, crea- a creator
1: of Dan Harmon and his writing partner.
0: Right, so Rick is not a creator on Rick and Morty. Well, so anyway, I would be. I mean, I could sit with Dan Harmon and unpack the question for forty-five minutes, mm. but he would be like, "Shouldn't there be somebody interviewing me that knows that knows me?" Which is which is our. our well, and prior you want to ask.
1: I mean, like a question. You think about. Anytime you're preparing to do an interview or you're preparing, even if it's just a podcast, I mean, I'm thinking about when I I interviewed Hodgman for a thing here in town called City Arts and Lectures and the prep that went into that and talking to him. And, you know, really, but talking in that case, because it was going to be obviously a friendly interview about his book and talking about the kind of stuff he wanted to talk about. And I try to throw in a few zingers. But at the heart of it, like and when you're preparing for stuff like that, like the it's the question is a MacGuffin. I mean, right. What you're right. looking for is an opportunity for the personality. Uh, you think about a good Terry Gross interview, like a classic Terry Gross interview is where she talks to somebody where she doesn't really know much about what that person does, but ends up very curious about an angle into what they do that gives them an opportunity to say something they never knew they thought about that topic. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, that's, that's, I'm maybe getting too inside my own head here, but I think that the goal of a good interview is to not be like a fucking writer for Pitchfork and go look at me, notice what I'm creating. It's more to get out of the way and just provide enough ammunition for that person to go off in a direction that's going to be interesting, novel. And in, in my goal would be try to get them to say something—not that they maybe something they want to say—but get them to have a thought they didn't realize they had and have them articulate it in a way that surprises and delights them. Give them the ammunition for that. Right, A question and, like that does not do that. A question like that wants to be written on a whiteboard and diagrammed.
0: Yeah, and it's, and it's obvious. It was obvious to me as I was reading it. Like, <clears throat> oh, this was the problem between me and Dan Harmon the last time we met coming through the rye, mm-hmm. which was this is the level of fandom that he's used to encountering. Like this... These questions were obviously put together by students mm-hmm. at the university who were very excited that it's obviously put together by someone who's part way through college and and probably a team of them because the, the the suggestion as I was waiting for these questions to arrive was like we're working on these questions um. And I do events for the university all the time, and I really like the guy that puts on events there. The last one I did was with Adam Savage, Mm -hmm. and the way that I prepared for it was I had three cups of coffee and some peanut Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm M&Ms. And then I got up on stage, and I was like, all right, here he is. So, you know, so tell me, Adam. He's so charming. He's so charming. Like... You have, you're you a guy that makes things. Like, what do you say about that? And he's like, I do make things. You know, he's <laughs> like, he doesn't. And I don't think Dan Harmon probably needs much help uh, to get going. So I was, you know, I was prepared to have some fun with him. But I, but reading this, I was like, I I really do feel like the expectations of the students are very high, first of all. For what we're going to, you know, we're going to put Dan Harmon to the grill here. yeah. <laughs> because that question goes, the question that I just read the first half of goes on for a while and uses the word creator three more times. Mm. Um. So he does feel like maybe he is the creator okay, to some of them. Anyway, I wrote the university and my friend there. You sent them a letter. And I said, I sent them a letter and i said this is the rare rare occasion where i feel like i'm the wrong guy for this job i do not think i do not think i will do a good job
1: usually Be- as the mc in waiting you see nothing but opportunities where yep. you could go in and contribute something in this case the rare rare instance
0: where you feel like you're the wrong match as an I'm mc just- for this that's right. I have never written that letter before. You know what? I feel like I'm the wrong guy for this. It's never. It, I never feel that way. I'm. I'm always like, oh, what do you need? Like, are we talking serious? Are we being funny? Is this supposed to be light? Is this supposed to be uh, dark? Are we? Is this meaningful? Are we going to see a montage of kids that we've helped, or are we going to? are we just trying to auction off some funny thing while we're all dressed like 70s but the thread threat in all if i may the thread
1: in all of those i feel like it, it seems like you're talking about yourself and, and what you what you do but the thread in all of those is that you i feel like is that you have a sense of it's going to begin like this and then i want people to feel like that and a yeah. lot of times that's they i want them to be i want them to feel laughter and entertained i want them to feel in on the joke i want them to feel that their efforts have had a great effect on people that they don't even know, like you have a sense, like you could may not articulate it that way, but you know what the tone of it is supposed to be. If that question goes great, how is Dan Harmon supposed to feel? How is everybody in the room supposed to feel,
0: except from except for awkward? Right. Well, with the Adam Savage thing, I mean, the surprise to me, I'd never, I'd never seen it quite this way. But it was a it was a packed house, and at the end during the question period. Probably 60% of the people who got up to ask a question got up and said, watching your show as a kid is the reason that I went into the sciences. And now I am here getting a master's degree in uh, particle physics and I owe it all to you. And 60% of the people either started with that or that's all they wanted to get up and say. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and it was complete, like completely uh, diverse group of people, right? It was an equal number of men and women, equal number of people of all races. It was a complete rainbow room, and they all had this same experience. And I was just like, "Wow! I, uh, I didn't realize what a what a, a powerful religious uh, figure." He is, and and MythBusters was, in terms of like turning a generation of of curious kids into scientists. And I was looking forward to figuring this out about Dan Harmon too through this process of like. Mm-hmm. So Dan, honestly, you and I are about the same age. Um, you seem to be a a, uh, a very popular creator of things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and go from there, right? Anyway, I wrote and said.
1: But this is even setting aside the fact that the, the thing that's hiding in plain sight, and we talked about it a little bit last time, which is that he is a notoriously tough nut to crack. Right. I mean, and that, that, uh, that, it's, that we should not skip over that. But apparently, he is um, irascible. Like yes. he he will be very provocative with very little provocation.
0: Yes, this was what I was really looking forward to. You know, we didn't you could really, toss. You know, we didn't have a chance before. You know, we were standing in his green room, and I was like, "Hey, <laughs> 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 so you are the I'm supposed to meet you, Mister Guy." I hear. <laughs> uh, people are acting like it's really great that you're you're here. I guess, yeah. and now I was going to be like oh, yeah. Johnny on the spot about. It. Let's yeah. get into it, Dan Harmon. Uh, like that, what well, that didn't intimidate me at all, but boy, these questions did. So I, yeah, I first time, first time in ever, uh, I I wrote and said I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to say uh, uh, no, thank you to this to this offer, and not because I don't want to do it, but because. Because you guys want a you want a, a very different thing. This re- reads more like a Stasi interrogation. <laughs> and I wouldn't know I honestly <laughs> this is the thing. I don't understand the question.
2: So, this, was this I a woman hear? who
1: shared a residence with you? Did she have access to the mailbox at the time? So as it's very interesting, art. I noticed your shoes have mud around the edges. Oh. Und <laughs> would you like a cigarette?
2: <laughs> and
1: you just you you put out a bunch of folders and you just kind of casually pick what's obviously a bug, like it's just got a wire hanging from it. Oh, this would look lovely on your lamp, yes. What's you I... think? Tell me, Mister Dunham, and where do you get your ideas? <laughs> <laughs> All the great shows. <laughs> All the great shows. <laughs> hey, that's as good a time of any. Uh, remind you, we're selling t-shirts for two weeks. You can go and pre-order t-shirts for uh, the Router on the Line program. Oh, shucky darn! Yeah, shucky darn, and slap the chickens.
0: So uh, we do. We have a we have a, a show shirt. So show We have we have four. Three. We have three
1: designs of shirt. This is a terrible URL. Uh, You Just go to show notes, and you'll see a link to it in there. But you go to (laughs) CottonBureau.com. I think it's CottonBureau.com slash people slash Roderick dash slash on dash on dash dash the dash line. I think that's it. But if you go to show notes, you'll see it. But you can go. And uh, so we've got the return of the Pound Sign Super Train shirt. We have the Mm -hmm. ding Roderick line orange bell and a brand new shirt that ironically enough we have an all the great shows t-shirt you can get
0: all the great shows <clears throat> it has it has been i've been made aware of the fact uh, that all the great shows has gone out into the world and oh, become oh it's, it's gone it's gone wide in our community it's like a, yeah it's 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 in the podcast community right as oh, a oh very much very and very, what th- does it what does it mean to other people in the podcast community is it being used appropriately or as it has the meaning uh, morphed Well, like all these kinds of things, I think the people
1: who spread it very much know where it's from. I'm not sure the people who hear it always know, although I think it's kind of, it's gotten some currency. But yeah, like among people who've listened to this program and have other podcasts or podcast networks, it's become kind of the parlance. You can always tell it's caught on when uh, you say a certain kind of thing and then there's a slack. Slackbot auto response that dumps in all the great shows in like you know, that's a good sign that you've been memed. <clears throat> but yeah, it's, it's gone around. But uh, what's all this right. is really nice. It's designed by our friends at Cotton Bureau, and mm-hmm. I, I don't want to get us in trouble from an IP standpoint. But I would say it's, it's basically it's a t-shirt. It says all the great shows. Doesn't sound so great, but it's pr- in pretty much the All in the Family font. It's a great font. It is a really good. The first they did it, I think they said it in Cooper Black, and that looked great. But I think I don't know what this face is called, but it looks really sharp. And uh, you can get it uh, at Cotton Bureau. And like I said, go to the show notes, RoderickOnline.com. F- for this episode, you'll find a link to it.
0: It's a, sh- it's a shirt that I would wear. I absolutely would wear this shirt. I would give it as a gift. Mm-hmm. I may give it as a gift. Mm. Wouldn- isn't that great when, it- when everybody opens a present and it's a uh, present from you about you? One time I had a housewarming party and an acquaintance
1: arrived and said he had a gift for me. And what he gave me was his vanity printed book of essays that he had signed. <laughs> I
0: said thanks, buddy. I have a Orange framed whip. picture of you on my piano. What? Um, and
2: did I give is, you that?
0: It was one of it was during your period where you were doing uh, business cards and stuff. Uh-huh. You had that wonderful picture of you standing on a chair in the middle of a field of <laughs> ma- of ivy. That's a great photo. Uh, huh? Really shouting holding, at the holding forest. Holding a Mac lap, laptop. <laughs> <laughs> holding a laptop, shouting at a forest. Tall hair, orange yeah. sweater, looking yep. a little chunky, and screaming into the forest. Yeah, I really, it really, it really spoke to me. It's really the Merlin man that I know best yeah. and Thanks, lo- know and love. And so I took that picture and I put it in a frame and I put it on my piano. Oh. And and it's just one of the things that is in the house. It's just Merlin shouting at the forest. It's uh and I have always, as I walk past it, because I, you know, I see it forty times a day. It's the type of thing I really wish that you would give out at Christmas, a framed photo of yourself shouting at the forest, because I think everyone in your life would put it on their piano. Huh. And you think that's that's the gift, but in particular, that's the photo that should be in the gift. Well, no, I think if you, because you take pretty good pictures and you've, you've had some iconic pictures taken over the years, I think if you gave out a series or like just, you know, just made coasters or whatever, but if you gave out a series of... Of uh, framed photos of yourself.
1: Oh, and maybe a copy of my uh, Vanity of your, Press uh, of book your of your essays. your Vanity Press book,
0: yeah. like <laughs> that for hey, you. <laughs> hey, I, I got you something. Enjoy the new house. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas.
1: Um, let me ask you this. So go go buy the fucking shirt. Um, the thing I wanted to ask you, if this were an alternate universe, if we are in uh, the, the, the ultimate uh, Dan Harmon universe, and mm-hmm. you had the opportunity to go and do the interview you'd like with him, -hmm. How would you open? I mean, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but knowing, but like setting everything else aside, if somebody says to you, "Okay, you're gonna have two chairs on stage, you got a bowl of fruit and some water," there's going to be 300 people there in a theater atmosphere. You're gonna have a lav mic. You'll have a lav mic. You got 35 minutes plus 20 minutes for questions. What kind of thing would you would you open with?
0: Uh, I think I would. Yeah, I think I would sit down, not having not having yet read his. Wikipedia, would you would you, move, would you strike the stage and reset where the chairs are? Do you think first of yeah. all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the, my my opening would be, uh, Dan. Like leaving aside your entire canon,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, I don't think. I think everybody in the room has is super well versed in the stuff that you make, and if they want to know more about it, they can go look it up, which I'm sure they already have. And so a lot of the questions that people probably typically ask you are just rephrases of their own desire to let you know that they know what you do. Oh, yeah. Um, people just want to get up and ask obscure questions that they already know the answer to just <sighs> to watch you perform like a like a marionette. Um, what I think I would rather do now is you know, kind of get to the bottom of, uh, like why you're here, what, what, what interests you about appearing in front of a group of people, making yourself available this way, um, as somebody that is, that works in a medium where your face is not on the screen, Mm -hmm. like what's your relationship to, to this yourself in the world? Like, what are you, what are you hoping to hear from people? Mm -hmm. Um, what and and is this about? He can about, go any way he wants with
2: that.
1: He
0: could say, yeah. uh, "I don't want to be here. My fucking agent made me come here." Yeah, that or could he be could fun. Say, oh, that I, could be run pro- with that. I'm promoting a thing, and this is part of promoting it. Or he could say, "You know, the, I don't get a lot of feedback like directly with people, and I really crave the human contact." Or he could say, "What an asshole question! Why don't you just get on to the Rick and Morty stuff?" Yeah, talk whatever ketchup Szechuan
1: sauce. Yeah, that, whatever that it,
0: Whatever it is. What's the deal with McDonald's? Because it would be – because I would be able to say like, look, I am – I'm someone who also is like a, a human being in the world. I've been asked to interview you and I could never get up to speed on everything you've done. Um, so the, so the, the choice the university has here is either to sit a super fan against you uh-huh. um, or to put a person that is uh, – that's a, like a conversational person – and you and I can conversate. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of that I would probably say to him backstage. Right. And and if he
1: said, you know That's a good point. Like a little pre-interview kind of thing of like, well, what are you excited about? What are you mad about? What happened at your hotel? That kind of stuff. Same same thing you do like before a talk show. Like find out what's what's
0: going on and and figure out three three big beats. Yeah, right. Are you here to pitch something? In which case, let's get let's pitch it. Or are you here just because you are doing the rounds or or um you seem to be somebody that, however much money the University of Washington comes up with to bring you here, it's a drop in the bucket. You don't care. You're not doing it for the money, right? Uh huh. Oh. Like, really? I mean, like, you go out, and, and even if they're paying you $25,000 or $80,000 to appear, like, I guess probably $80,000 is, is meaningful to someone who works in Hollywood. But,
1: and you know, another angle would be um, what kind of advice do you have for young people? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Mr. Harmon, how Harmon? Many people want
2: to get into the show business. <laughs>